do it this way. All right. All right. So we're here. We are trying some new stuff. If you're on YouTube, go over there. Uh, you can see Dallin's beautiful face with a nice yellow jazz hat. He's got the purple and white Stockton behind it. And Coach is already on, so we're going to go over to him real quick. Games. I thought our team's approach tonight was great. Uh, came out really moving the ball. Had 33 assists tonight. Just, it's hard to maintain the appropriate approach when you've had five tough games in a row like we did. And I think that's just a credit to our team, the guys we have in that locker room, their ability to maintain focus and dig in and have each other's back uh, when things aren't going their way, um, I think is really, really special. And I think that's why our fans love this team. Um, I think it's obvious who the game ball goes to. It goes to Ochai Hakbaji. Um, Lowry is a very good player, and he had 49 points. But well, we were playing the his Rockets. High, but Ochai also <laughs> had his career high, and I have a lot of respect for Ochai. The way he's approached his work every day so far this season, he spent a lot of time in the G League. Our G League staff, you know, Scott Morrison and, and his staff there have done a tremendous job with Ochai, helping him understand what it takes to be a pro, understand what it takes to impact winning, and. I think Ochai, his physicality defensively in the game was great. Obviously, in the fourth quarter, he started off the quarter hot, um, you know, got the dunk, and then from there, his teammates found him and was able to knock down three three balls. So it's really hard to do what Ochai just did. And he delivered, stepped up big time for us. So very happy for him. I think this is a, you know, a sweet moment here early in his career. Uh, for Ochai and Lowry, you know, we all wear hoodies with Lowry's face on it, so you know how we feel about Lowry. Uh, spectacular again. When you look at Ochai, you know, as a coach, um, was there a specific moment, you know, whether it be a practice, whether it be a shoot around where, you know, you just came, you know, to the decision like, hey, it's, it's time, you know, he looks like he's ready, it's, it's time to start, you know, kind of getting him into the rotation a little bit? Yeah, I'm not sure you ever know if somebody is ready. But I think when we look at Ochai and the way he's approached every day, his mentality that he's had when he's been in the G League, the way he's dealt with good games, the way he's dealt with bad games, the way he's dealt with kind of going back and forth, being with us, being with them. You know, it's odd travel when you're doing that stuff also. Um, that's some, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that people maybe don't appreciate, that you're bouncing around all over the country because the G League games, you know, when they're home, they're in Salt Lake, but they're also in a lot of different destinations. And, you know, he's never complained. And I think, you know, we just, we've reached a point in the season where he had put in a really good body of work, and it was time to try to get him some minutes and see how he did. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I saw this coming. You know, oh, yeah, Ochai's going to go in the game and he's going to have this type of performance. But, you know, I think as a staff, we were very confident that his approach was going to be correct and that he was ready to, you know, dig in mentally to play in an NBA game. And, you know, an important game for us. We needed this win. And he was fantastic. Um, 
I also want to circle back somebody that I didn't mention in my open that I thought really set the tone for us was JC. I thought his five assists in the first quarter were huge for us. It just started the feeling of the ball moving in the game. And, um, you know, he did a great job. Obviously, Mike had 11 assists, uh, made a lot of great decisions for us in the game. So it's a team win, as, as it always is for us. Um, so really happy for the guys. When you guys, uh, Houston comes all the way back, you guys are up 13, Houston comes all the way back, they take an 86-85. You close the quarter on a 10 nothing run. How important uh, was that response, you know, heading into the fourth quarter for you guys? Yeah, that was huge for us. You know, credit to Houston, like we talked about before the game, they have some really talented young players, and they hit seven threes in the third quarter. I thought we did a good job protecting the basket. I thought we did a good job containing dribble penetration, and they made some tough off-the-dribble step-back threes um, in that quarter and had seven of them. But that run at the end of the quarter for us to still manage to find a way to win that quarter, I think set us up, you know, with some confidence going into the fourth. And... That, that was big for us. I think it's it's always important how you close quarters. It's something that we've talked about a lot this year. It's something we've worked on a ton. You know, those situations, end of quarter, um, they're such – those minutes are more important than you think for the momentum of the game. And for us to find a way to win that quarter, I thought was big for us. When um, you guys go, you know, up 11, you're heading into the fourth quarter, um, and they make another push at you. Uh, how was Lowry able to, to basically essentially close close the game out? You know, Lowry's done such a good job of continuing to work on different ways he can impact the game offensively. Um, obviously, he's shown the ability to shoot the ball, but I think the physicality that he's played with driving the ball, the physicality that he's played with as a screener uh, has given him an opportunity uh, to score in a variety of ways. You know, he's finding a way to get to the free throw line a lot because of that physicality. And, you know, anytime you see guys have big scoring nights in the NBA, a lot of times there's a lot of free throws involved in that. And he's just shown an understanding of how to play when teams try to take certain things away from him. So, you know, he started the game hot from three and then really outside of that last one that he made in the corner, it seemed like he hadn't made a three you know, for the remainder of the game. And, you know, but he he still found ways as a screener, driving the ball, uh, you know, found ways to, to score for us, so. It's a credit to him. It's a credit to his teammates. You know, again, we don't put Lowry in a ton of isolation situations where it's just him dribbling and everybody kind of... Might be running too much stuff at one time, fellas. <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering, I did upgrade my internet. I, uh, I, I got a... Uh... It gets out of the way. It takes... It... <laughs> I got fiber coming on on the tenth, so uh, hopefully we won't have any more of these. But let's turn off Will because we're running a Google Meets, we're running uh, a live stream, and trying to pull up stats, and then also live or live stream the interview with Hardy. So, um, Coach kind of stole my thunder, man, and it took me a while to set up. But the obvious 
story of the game is Lowry Markinen has 49 points, career high, but really Ochai just came in and I have been waiting for this game for him. I just wanted him to, to see the ball go through the hoop. And they came out uh, when he first came in and they ran that play for him to get a dunk. And that's what I'm saying is like he can dunk, he can shoot, and then he, he goes off and hits three more threes. Uh, extremely excited for Ochai and the opportunity that he got tonight. We, we saw a THT siding as well tonight which I know is rare. Um, but after you see Ochai have a night like that, the feeling that I have, um, especially watching him guard Jalen Green, like he got roasted a couple times, but then, you know, as he stayed in the game and got a feel on what he was doing, the more and more he gets that, I think he's going to be a defensive stopper too. I, I think he understands of staying in front of the person and not falling for all the shake and bake. But I want to see him play over THT and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Rudy Gay in that for that matter like I think he's something special um and he after a night like that I think he can roll off of it so I'm gonna pass the mic over to uh Dallin or uh Kevin JC's drip if you want to request we'll let you speak but what do you guys think as far as Ochai's night because I think that's really the story here well, first off, that is not the story of the night. Um, <laughs> I got to count on Kevin to always bring bring it back down to earth. Um, the story of the night is JC led the team in plus minus for the first time this season. Hello, JC? Yeah, plus 22. Plus minus? Um, miracles can happen. <laughs> Play some defense and offense both tonight. No, um, just kidding. No, that uh, just goes to show how good we can be uh, when JC turns in a good, just a good solid game on both sides. I mean, it was just, man, he was locking down his guys. I mean, it was just so nice to watch him just really dig in on defense tonight. Like, man, I just wish I could watch him do that every night. So it just, it just, it just warmed my heart. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I know I dog on JC all the time, but I really do have a lot of love for him. I just get really frustrated with him because I know that what he did tonight, he can do every night. And I just don't know why I don't get, get it from him all the time. And it just frustrates me. Um, but yeah, but I, I, you know, I love Abaji and it does frustrate me that he doesn't get more minutes. And I'm really glad that he came out and he showed up well tonight and he played good defensively, but I did want to give a shout out to JC uh, playing some defense, playing some offense tonight. I thought that that was a a bigger deal than marketing scoring 49 in my mind because we dog on JC a lot, a lot in this podcast, and he played a good all-round game, and I think he, need, he deserves to get a little love from us tonight. Yeah, definitely. I think we had a, a lot of good performances. Lowry, obvious. Clarkson, um, I thought the other one that, had a good performance was Malik Beasley came in and scored. I think he had 16 at the half and then Ochai, you know, we don't really get to see him very much had a great night, but I wanted to try this out on YouTube with you guys because, uh, I found this really cool thing out. Can you guys see the NBA.com through your, your, uh, Google meet? Yes, sir. 
Okay. So if you look at all these stats here, maybe I'm giving secrets away. You can watch the videos of these. So we're going to go to, since Kevin was talking about Jordan Clarkson's uh, defense, we're going to go watch these highlights of his two steals for the night. And maybe they'll be good, maybe they'll be bad. I can't even remember them. Oh, and then he gets a lob to, to Lowry. I mean, come on. And Dude, I, he read that he read that pass like he stepped right in the lane. That, that, that's a moment right there for JC. A <laughs> moment. I'll buy it for two dollars. <laughs> uh, JC scoring a plus twenty-two. That's got to be a moment. I don't think it'll happen again this season. Yeah, I uh, I, I probably think you're right. Um, that's a pretty high plus minus, and then. He didn't just have steals and score. Uh, he had five assists. He had four rebounds. Shot 43% from the field and three or three for seven from three-point land. And so tonight I felt like JC looked like he wasn't forcing things. It, it, was, it was a little bit like his old self where he just was letting the game come to him. And... I think that was huge for him tonight. Well, he, he just he played through the defensive end. Like, he dug in. Like, he stayed in front of his guy, and he played through the defensive end. He wasn't, you know, trying to to dribble through. He, he was letting the game play through his defense, which he used to do. And he wasn't trying to be play hero ball. And it was just a different kind of game. And it was just it was really nice to see. Yeah, do you, I mean, the thought is, do you feel like someone from the coaching staff talked to him? Or, I mean, do you think this is just an adjustment that he made on his own? I honestly think the coaching staff told him to go out and shoot like that. I I think he was told to be play hero ball. Like, I think he got put in the starting lineup. And I think a combination between the coach telling him that and his agent telling him, go get that contract. I think that's why we're seeing J.C. doing it this year. But, you know, I don't know. But tonight is the kind of game that, you know, he puts four or five of these together. And, like, I think that speaks louder for a contract than going out and doing what he's been doing most of the season. Yeah, I I, uh, I know it was against the Rockets, and they got close at certain times, but it, it really didn't ever feel like, they were a threat did did were any of you were either of you nervous or anyone else on the space no <laughs> they're the rock i mean what are they how many of the how many games did they won i think i was only, i was only nervous because the jazz have found a way to lose against bad teams <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't nervous because i thought the rockets were gonna win i was nervous because i thought the jazz were gonna find a way to lose like i said in the pregame like we have a losing record against teams under 500 and a winning record against teams over 500 and we're an under 500 team. Like that just blows my mind. Yeah. It it felt like a a little bit that we, I mean, I think coach was playing other guys just to give them a chance. It was a good, good game to let other players get some minutes and it got close. I think within the last like five, four minutes there and then, um, I was really just hoping that Markinen would would get his fifty. He was so close, um, but it yeah to me it felt like 
okay, if if this really comes down to a close game, I feel like coach is going to put all the right people in and we're going to win. Um, as far as THT coming in and playing, w- was that a surprise to you guys? Because he's had DNPs for the last, I believe, five games. It threw me completely off. Yeah, and Na didn't play, so. But Obaji did. I thought it made great. Yeah, I thought it made perfect sense to me. It almost was kind of disrespectful to the to Houston. To me, it just signaled <laughs> that he didn't he didn't think Houston was going to put up much of a fight, and he was kind of putting his B squad in. That's kind of what I was thinking. Which honestly, Houston showed that they are just a trash team tonight. Like they just are not a good team. Yeah, like, so we did it. I don't a, know how the hell they only had 14 turnovers because I felt like they were turning the ball over all night long. I felt like they had like 30 turnovers, but they only had 14. I'm glad we won it because Houston, you know why? Because it gets a chance to be able to show people why hard tanking is disgusting. They, they have a couple, they have two good, you know, they have two solid to, you know, good, um, you know, at least starting level um, guards. In a backcourt, and then they have um, I don't know what was what, what draft pick was your boy Smith? I think number th- three. They have third draft pick. They have Tory Eason. They have a lot of promising players, um, Sengun and all that. That's a terrible. With all their talent, their young talent, given. Well, and it I, I look like this. it doesn't look like they have a future. No, yeah, I did a, a pregame with Chop Shot from the Houston Rockets podcast and. Oh man, I I I feel for those guys because I feel like they're kind of grabbing on to anything to have hope, um, and they just don't have any structure. And we brought up trades and who they would be willing to trade for. They obviously think Mike Conley can solve all their all their problems, which I think he would help. But they also wanted Vando, and um. I got on their their YouTube stream right before the game too, and they're like, "Who do you want for Vando? That's who we want." And <laughs> Kevin, I think you said I'd trade a, a napkin for uh, for Vando Conley. for Conley, Conley, and then and so I made another joke and said, I'd, "I'll trade you a bag of peanut M and M's for Vando," and they they're like, "We'll trade you a first round pick." So as Jazz fans, are we undervaluing? Vanderbilt or well, well, first off, they don't have a first round draft pick to trade. <laughs> so they've already traded. Like Oklahoma has two of their first round draft picks already, and or someone has two of their first round draft picks. <laughs> so we'd be looking at like a twenty twenty nine draft pick to get one out of them. Um, but I don't know. I mean. I don't understand why everyone's so high on Vando. But I don't know either. Yeah, I was on the that fans po site and they, they or some of those and through Twitter, some of the Suns fans were like, "We could get a good uh, small center like Vando." And I was like, well, "You can have him by all means." Well, I want to welcome delusional jazz fan. Uh, I think this is your first time in. If you want to. Request to speak and give us your thoughts on tonight's game. We always love hearing new voices and new opinions and thoughts. So just request down below. Um, 
As far as I want to hit on Larry Markin a little bit more, he has career high 49 points. Is he a guy now that needs more plays ran for him to get his shot? Because I feel like a lot of his shots tonight, obviously was against the Rockets, kind of came easy. But is he a guy that, that can make tougher shots and average more points per game? Or do we need him to do that? Well, what I was kind of wondering is, can Markkinen do that? Can he be this efficient and do this without being a volume shooter? Like, if if we were to go out and make a trade for a premier player, or if we were to sign someone in the off season who is going to need fifteen to twenty shots a night, can we still get? Because he's been pretty efficient. Like, can we still get this level play out of Markkinen? if he's not a volume shooter, because he, he does pretty well when he's a volume shooter, but when he's not getting shots, he tends to fade and disappear. Like, that's my question. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I, I think he's still learning how to be that, that player. I think he, this is his first year really having that task of, you know, maybe needing to have a big game, but also finish off a game. And so I don't think he was conditioned um, to start the season. I think he's getting there more and more and realizing what it actually takes. Because like you look at some of these thoroughbreds that just, it seems like they never get tired, right? No matter what the situation is in a game. And so now that Lowry has um, basically the team in the palm of his hands, if you wants it um i think over the over the off season and we keep saying this right we need an off season in the next year to see what they truly are but i think he's finally getting in shape where he can handle more and more and he's understanding how to get there mentally um but my mind always goes back to our conversation in the beginning of the season like him not being able to be a one or a maybe a two, maybe he would just be a three, right? And as he keeps putting on these performances and shooting so well, he shot again perfect from the free throw line two nights in a row. And that's really how he's going to be a high volume shooter is being able to get to the line so he can rest and score, what, another 12 to 20 points maybe. Um, I think that's how he's going to have to do it to become a 30 to 35 point per night type of guy um that being said he, he still is not there in my mind but he's he's definitely surprising me each and every game even if it's against the Rockets like scoring 49 points um and you know he wasn't in 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 most of that fourth quarter it felt like other guys were playing um I felt like he easily could have had a, a 50 to 55 maybe even a 60 piece tonight but who knows well, and, and I think he is that guy in this system on our team. Like, I think he is a guy who could be 28 to 30 points a night the rest of the way out for us. I think the system's built for him to do that, um, have that success. And I think the system that he's we have built around him is, is here to do it, which, you know, has got me thinking, like, if a team comes knocking and says, hey, Utah, Here's two first-round draft picks and a young, up-and-coming player. Do we listen? 
So, uh, someone, I think it was a Kings fan tweeted out me after the Kings game. What do you want for Lowry from the Kings? And I gave what I, I said, I would want Keegan Murray, (laughs) De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and two draft picks. And they said, done. Would you do that? (laughs) I mean, yes. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. I mean, obviously no front office would do that. But I mean, what if um, what if Oklahoma came to us and gave us I don't know three draft picks and Giddy? Ooh, I, I see. I, I'm not that high on Giddy. Uh, yeah, I'd or love SGA. SGA. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we might get two in SGA out of them because they they're really high on Giddy. So currently, Lowry leads NBA All-Star voting. He's uh, number seven, I believe, in the West as far as um, the front court. Is is he more valuable to the Utah Jazz than Donovan Mitchell ever was? Like, do you do you feel like he's a more valuable player? No. Why? Um, because I think. If we had a second high tier player like um, Gobert on the team, then Marketing wouldn't be doing this. I think if Don was here all by himself, I think he'd be putting up 34, 35 points a night. I think he'd be tearing it up. If he had the kind of volume that Marketing has right now, I think what, he would be performing what Marketing's doing right now in my what if we swapped Lowry with Donovan on those teams? And had Lowry and Rudy? Yeah. I, I don't know, because Lowry's defensive faults wouldn't show as much with Rudy behind him. But, yeah, Donovan's, Donovan's a hell of a player, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, think you, I don't think you'd be pressed to find a single person in the NBA right now who would take Lowry over Donovan. No, I think Donovan's having almost an MVP-type uh, season. The one thing I think Lowry is better at, and <laughs> this is funny to say, is I think defensively he can he can add something that Donovan wouldn't or didn't add to our team um, as far as his length, because I think Lowry really yeah, is. That's not fair. That's just that's just that's just because of his size. Like yeah. that, that's like that's like saying. It's like saying a strawberry sweeter versus an onion. Like, yeah, I mean, that's given. Like, that's just because he's... But, you know, Donovan is going to be able to stay in front of a defender better than Laurie because he's faster. Like, like Laurie's never going to be able to stay in front of a guard. Donovan can. Well, and I, and I think Laurie's just a better rebounder as well. Um, I, I know that throughout the NBA, you know, it's coveted to have a two-way player. Um, I really think that Lowry brings something that a guard couldn't just because of his size alone, being able to shoot and then being able to go inside if he needs to. So I don't, I don't think I would value Lowry more than, than Donovan either, but I just keep thinking like, man, what, what a, an awesome player we got and we're able to get for Donovan. Because if you look back at the New York trade, and what was most likely to happen, there's just no way we would have gotten an all-star yeah, from from the Knicks. Well, that's the thing is that that trade was never likely to happen. 
what you have to look at is is what look at the trade if we'd have gotten what Danny was asking for. And what Danny was asking for was four picks, Grimes, Barrett, and one more player. Now, if you got that, then then that's kind of a crazy trade. But even with that, like, I don't want Barrett, Grimes, and whatever his other name is. Like, I still prefer, Toppin. Yeah. Toppin. Yeah, to, I still prefer Laurie Sexton and the, and the picks we got. Even if, even if the Cleveland picks don't end up end up all being late twenties because Donovan stays there. Like I still, I think I still think we got a better end of the deal. Yeah, I don't think any of us knew that Lowry was the best piece out of that deal, though. I think we thought Colin Sexton was. Yeah, I thought that. Anyways, well, and honestly, I you guys made you guys have roasted me and made fun of me for this, but I really was super high on Barrett coming into the season. I really liked him a lot, but I was I was in love with his size and he just has the prototypical in my opinion NBA body but he just can't get it together between his ears and and bring it all together like maybe it's his coach maybe he'll get better throughout the time but Barrett just hasn't showed up but I was big really high on Barrett I thought to me I thought Barrett was a NBA all-star in the making but he just hasn't really gotten it together yeah I look like he's gonna be able to I still think that Barrett might turn into something, but looking at it now, yeah, looking at it now, it's like it's obvious that Markkinen's better than Barrett. Um, Absolutely. I I was really high on Quentin Grimes because he was having such a big uh, summer league. I think Toppin would fill a lot of holes and gaps as far as defensively for us and not to mention rebounding. So we could sit here and go back and forth all day, but... um, the Jazz took care of business tonight, and they head out to Chicago next. Um, do you think that they keep this momentum up? They finally got the monkey off their back of the losing streak. I mean, what do you guys feel from this game moving forward? Chicago's played better lately, but they were, I mean, they're always a mess lately with Levine. Uh, DeRozan's. I, I don't know. He's not as outspoken, but he's a good player. But you know, uh, outside that loss to the Rockets, Chicago's been on fire for the last two weeks. Like they lost the Rockets, but before that, I mean, they're beating the Hit, the Heat. They lost two really close games. Yeah, they should have beat Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland, like well, they lost at home to the Cleveland by one point. They lost in a freakish overtime game on that putback by Donovan at, at Cleveland. Then they go, then they beat New York. They beat the Nets at home. Yeah. And uh, so they've got a game to the game tomorrow versus the Sixers. We'll see how that, so, so Chicago's playing really well right now. Um, but I mean, they're a good team, so I give us a chance. Like we play well against good teams. Like it's the crappy teams we can't beat. So I, I give us a chance. Like if a good team runs out against us, I, I, I give us a chance to win. It's those crappy teams we can't beat. We 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 play to our opponents. We play to the level of our opponent. Yeah, and, and before on that pregame, you you predicted that we were going to lose. And um, there were times definitely tonight where I felt, yeah, we, we definitely played to our opponent. It was, it was like we'd get up and then we kind of just take a little break. Um, 
I thought back to previous years, you know, when there was expectations, if that would have happened, uh, the Jazz fan base would have been on fire just kind of ripping this team after a game like that. But it's a different time, a different season. And um, honestly, the difference difference tonight was Clarkson and Laurie. Yeah, Clarkson had a great game. Clarkson dug in and played defense instead of doing his ole and just letting everybody run by him. And and Laurie just refused to disappear in the third quarter like he's he like his normal third quarter disappearing trick. So if those two are going to do that, then we're not going to fall to the level because I'll be honest, Conley disappeared in the third. Um, you know, Abaji, he didn't disappear in the third, but he didn't really play in the third. Um, uh, the rest of our team kind of disappeared in the third like they normally do. That's why they came back. You know, they were leading going into the fourth, I think. Like, if, 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 Sexton's, if Sexton's healthy tonight, do you think THT even plays? Hopefully not. I, THT played horrible. Garbage time. Yeah. I, Houston's a horrible defensive team. So. <laughs> I know you. I know you guys like, love THT, but did you guys watch him tonight? Like, he looked lost out there. Like, he lost the dribble. Like, he would have had, like, three more turnovers. Like, Larry picked up one of the balls. Conley picked up the other one. Like, he was losing dribbles. He lost at least three dribbles that were picked up by uh, by other Jazz players. Like, like he was, he was just trying too hard or whatnot. He just looked lost out there. Like, I just... Yeah, I would say one one difference between Na and THT is like Na just stays ready, right? It's he he's more of like a plug and play. You don't have to worry about him being ready, but it's almost like THT has to be ramped up. Um, and I I think he was a little rusty from five games off off, but I don't think you get that with Na. Like, you know, if Na doesn't play tonight or a couple more games, I still think he's going to come in and give you defensive energy and be able to translate that to the offensive end and, and making plays. So, uh, my Not next THT looked bigger. Yeah. I yeah. He I did put weight on. I, I, I think the boy needs to hit the, the, the gym. Like he's look, he needs to, to drop about 15 pounds. I really do think like, I think he needs to lose some weight. Like he looks slow. He looks sluggish. I don't know what's going on there. I think if he lost 15 pounds, it would just it would change his game. Like his jumper, he's barely getting off the ground for that jumper. Like it's it's almost like a no offense, but it looks like an Ingles jump shot. Like it like a uh, Jokic jump shot. <laughs> yeah, like he's not it's, he's not getting off the ground for it. Like it's just I mean it's just a little little bunny hop Ingles jumper. Well, um, Ingles, I love that boy. So, my next question is, who do you think Ochai should get minutes from? Because, for me, maybe I'm I'm on the, the loner bus here. I just feel like he needs to be in the rotation, even if it's 10 minutes a night. You know, I like what happened tonight, and I think, uh, I, think that the, I, think the, I think that's the path that we need to take. I think if you're going to give him minutes, you need to give him them in bunches like this. I think... Coach has it right. Pick these games where you can give him 15, 16 minutes. And if you can't give him 15, 16 minutes, let him sit on the bench. Because I, I'm a firm believer that giving someone three, four minutes a game doesn't help him at all. I think 
I don't think that, that that brings them any value at all. Like, if you can't get them at least eight to ten minutes, I don't, I don't think they. Should, I don't know how much value that brings them. I think these these three, four, because there was games in there where he was getting in with thirty seconds left. Yeah. In the third quarter, you know, he was he was getting games where he's getting four minutes, and I just don't know how much value that brings. Like garbage time. Like, I think I like what Coach did. He picked a game and he said, "Hey." I'm going to play him tonight. I'm going to give him 15 minutes if he shows up, you know? And he did show up, so he got 18, 19 minutes. And so I, I like that plan, and I think Coach needs to stay with that because I don't think uh, – and there's other games we've seen him do this. Like, he came out, he played six to eight minutes in the first half, and he didn't play well. And then we didn't see him in the second half. I mean, I think I, th- I think that those are the smart moves. Um, stealing three, four minutes from – Conley or Mike or Rudy here and there, I don't think that that benefits him at all, in my opinion. I'm not a coach, so I don't know for sure, but I know as someone who played basketball, um, if I can't string more than three three or four minutes together at a time, it's just hard to get in a rhythm. Yeah, I, I really like what Coach is doing with these younger guys that haven't been playing, and if they're going to come into a game, um, playing them early, because... I would imagine coach goes up to him and say, hey, look, you're going to play tonight. Be ready. Instead of bringing them in mid-game or waiting till third quarter and them not really knowing if they're going to get in, uh, if they're going to mess with the rotation or mess with people coming in, I think that's really the way to do it. It's just, hey, you're going to get a chance at the beginning of the game. If you play well, great, and then and then take it from there. But at least so these these guys are – prepared and mentally ready to go into the game. I think that that helps them as well. I think it's a great call out too because I think now that I think about it, you can almost tell from watching the sideline like you can tell Fonchecchio, some of them, like you can tell they have no qualms. They know they're not coming in the game. The way they act on the sideline and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I wonder if you, if you watched them a little bit closer like if you could see if they were like sitting on the edge of their seat, like they knew, okay, I'm coming in today. But because there are some times I I've looked over and like, you don't even look ready to come in the game. <laughs> like like your shirt's on, you're you're joking around, you're laughing. Like, what are you doing? Like you're not you're not coming in the game. I know you're not coming to the game. Yeah. So but I wonder if coach you know has that conversation beforehand. Like, hey, you know I'm I'm not planning on rotating you in today. Just you know ahead of time or like, hey, you know I'm gonna give you some good minutes today. Be ready. I wonder. You know, yeah, that's a good call. I wonder if I wonder if those conversations do happen. I, I would imagine, but um, I want to jump to some tweets because they're funny and marketing is trending in Utah right now. Uh, Chrissy at Kristen Nicole twenty two says again, "How can I get a Lowry marketing sweatshirt?" I I've seen that tweet so many times tonight, and especially since they ran that during the pregame with the entire team wearing uh, the the poster of Lowry marketing holding the rim in the ice uh it's an awesome picture i'd rather just have a a a poster of it framed on my wall but then she goes on to say i'd like to speak to your campaign manager walker kessler (laughs) uh tony jones tweets out uh larry marketing has flames shooting out of his ass (laughs) and then uh ben anderson's at ben hoops here's my hot take the gap between Donovan Mitchell's best year in a Jazz uniform and Lowry Markkinen's season this year is not nearly as big as it would seem. 
And I think that's kind of what we we uh, hit on earlier. Like, is Donovan and market or marketing more valuable? And Donovan had some amazing years. Like, we're we're halfway through the season right now, so Larry still has a lot to prove. Especially if we get into the playoffs, can can Larry perform in the playoffs with with more contact, more pressure? Is he going to be able to pull off these type of numbers? Question mark. I don't know. That's tough. Like, that's tough. Uh, Ball is live tweeted out career high 49 pa- points for Lowry. Only the Melman, Spida, and Adrian Dantley have scored more in a Utah Jazz uniform. It's pretty impressive. I thought we had more high scores than that. What was Donovan's? What what was Donovan's career high in a Jazz uniform? Was it fifty seven? Yeah, it was in the bubble when him and uh, Murray went yeah. off. Somebody said in the chat that it was playoffs that he did, it was above fifty. So maybe it's regular season that nobody scored fifty. It was just Carl was the last one. Yeah, I feel like if you're scoring a 50 piece in the playoffs, that's a little bit more valuable than scoring 49 well, against sure, yeah. the Rockets. Homeboy, homeboy, homeboy needs to check his stats because Pete Maravich scored 61 in 1977, and Pete wasn't even on his list. Let's let's go back because I believe Ben is a writer for one of these places. Is it Ben Dowsett? Ben Anderson. Oh, Anderson, yeah, Ben's, Salt City, yeah, Ben's sure. hoops. Oh, Ben's hoops. Huh? We're going to call him out. Oh, for KSL Sports. Come on, Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah, so Pete Maravich scored 68. But was that with New Orleans or Utah? Maybe he's talking well, about... Well, that's 1977, so that might have been New Orleans. I don't, know, I don't know when they moved to Utah. Yeah, I don't either. Carl had 61 in 1990. Andre Dantel, did he get Andre in there? Karolinko? No. Um, Dantley? Dantley, did he have Dantley in there? Yeah, he did. Adrian Dantley, yeah. Carl, Adrian, Adrian, Carl, Carl. Jeez, Adrian. Adrian scored a lot of 50 points. Oh, Jeez. oh not, yeah, he must be, they must have moved in like 80s because you got Truck Robinson, got <laughs> Peter, Maravich <laughs> in here again, Maravich. And they moved to Utah in 79. Larry Markadon in 49. It says Larry Markadon's 49 points are the most by a Utah Jazz player in the regular season since Carl Malone in April of 1998. Yeah, so those must have been New Orleans Jazz. Yeah. Well, I just looked it up. It was New Orleans Jazz. All right, all right, you get a pass. Ben. We'll pass you, Ben. We'll pass you. But if you ever mess up again, we're definitely going to call you out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you under the bus. Um, it's a good night. I've done a lot of freaking streams today. I did an opening of my, my Top Shop packs, which was actually really yeah, fun. Check it out. It, it, yeah, cool. it, was, it was a good time. It was a little bit addicting opening them live. And you see the team that you're getting, and you don't know which player it is, and you kind of guess. So... I, I believe my best one was Peyton Pritchard off of the Celtics because it was like his rookie 
rookie moment or something like that. Um, Hobbs was explaining it to me. And then we did a pregame with um, Top Shop or uh, Chop Shop, the Houston Rockets podcast, which was actually really, really enjoyable. Um, I think we'll, we'll be doing a lot more stuff with him. And may- maybe we need to kind of switch it up and do pregames and postgames every once in a while. But um, I'm exhausted. I've been sick. Want to hear something crazy? Yeah, go ahead. So in the last um, three years, Donovan Mitchell hasn't even scored the most regular season points outside of uh, um, outside of uh, homeboy. That rookie year. Uh, Wait, um, what? Say that again. The only so Donovan Mitchell hasn't isn't the highest scoring single game regular season Jasmine in the last three years and not not counting tonight's game Laurie Marketing. Wow. Who, who was the last three years? Bogdanovic. Dude, Bogey. Bogey. Wow. 48, 48 points wow. on uh, March 7th, 2021. Dude, Bogey. Ah, there were so many times when Donovan got the ball for the last shot, and I remember just saying, go to bogey, man. Go to bogey. Like, that shot that he had over P.J. Tucker to win the game, I just felt like bogey was a little bit more clutch than than Donovan. I feel like bogey was more clutch with us than Donovan. Yeah. Not to knock Donovan's game. I don't even know that Donovan never even scored 50 in a regular season for us. Yeah, he just coasted till the playoff. Anyways, get out there and vote for Lowry Markinen. He is now, well, this tweet that I'm looking at, he has 466,988 votes. He is in seventh place behind Paul George. He's in front of Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Looney. If Kevin Looney makes it over Lowry Marketing. We have all failed as jazz fans. So go out and vote daily and let's get this dude past Paul George. That oh, that there's no way. Paul George is like That's double him. Yeah. <laughs> uh let let's just keep him above Draymond, Kawhi, and Kevin. That 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 would be a pretty big success for me. I just don't know how Anthony Davis has two million a guy who hasn't even played half the season. Dude, and he's always hurt. Because he's in L.A. It's, it's just... It's the Chinese votes. I literally... The Chinese literally, votes. I, this is why I hate all-star voting. It's yeah, it's track. pretty bad. Um, on the other side, you've got Durant. Let's see. Is there anyone... Kyle Kuzma's up there at seven. That's nice right. to see. Um, oh, the rookie coming in at eight. Paulo, yeah. Bonchero. Nick Claxton? Who the hell is that? <laughs> I literally don't even know who that guy is. You're up there with Austin Reeves. From Brooklyn? Is he a point guard? Or is no, he a rookie? Failure, so he's got to be a big. Oh, my. Nick Claxton with 160,000. I thought he was a tower, but I don't even know what he is. Who he is. That is so Fair. weird to me. I don't even know who he is, and he's ninth in All Star votes. So, is there twenty people that make the All Star votes on each side? Do you guys know? And the commission gets a one player, I think, too, right? Yeah, because they've got. 
I hope with all my heart LeBron James and Kevin Durant make the captains again and still pick Mitchell second to last. They won't now that he scored a 71-point game. They'll they'll probably pick him first just for that one performance. LeBron will because he's playing in his old home, probably. He'll pick Laurie last. All of his homeboys back in Cleveland will be like, you got to pick up old Spider because he'll show good for you. All right. Okay. This, this All right. About yeah, I'm yawning over here, so I'll catch you guys on the next game. Yeah. Ciao. Thanks for listening. See you guys. See you guys. Take care.